0: organizations from Capita. Hello and welcome to Tomorrow's Organizations, a new podcast series from Capita for business leaders. In each episode we'll be exploring how learning in the future must evolve to reflect the change of pace at both at work and in our lives generally. This time we're looking at longevity, learning and education. And joining me in the studio are Charles Young, Capita's senior medical officer. Hi, Fiona. And Andrew Scott, author of The Hundred Year Life. Hi, Fiona. Do tell us about this book. Um, What was the thinking behind that?
1: Uh, Well, it's interesting. So I used to uh, give a lot of talks about future trends that are going to affect society. And one of those was the ageing society. And every time I gave it, I got a bit more depressed because it's a pretty miserable story. Uh, What it says is that there's uh, more and more old people and old people are a problem. We can't afford them. They get ill. They don't work and they're a burden on society. Uh, And that's a pretty dismal view of the world. But as I looked at the statistics, I couldn't understand why we were being miserable because actually... What has happened is in the 20th century, on average, people are living a lot longer. So the last 100 years, life expectancy in the UK has increased by 36 years. And most of those years of life are healthy. So on average, we're living longer and we're living healthier, which sounds like really good news. So the question is, rather than worry about whether we can afford Social Security, how do we make the most of this extra time when the government says that one in three girls born today have a a chance of living to 100?
0: Charles, on to you and your background in medicine. I envy you because I always wanted to be a doctor and obviously didn't work as hard as you did. So I'm interviewing you as a doctor (laughs) rather than being one. Um, Why is the future of learning then, Charles? um, Why does that feature in healthcare? Well, I think there's
2: a really interesting relationship between longevity, health and education. Education is really important in health. It's identified as an independent predictor of of health. So people who are educated uh, tend to be healthier. In addition to that, clearly, education is really key in protecting health, so, so specific health education campaigns are really important, both in, in westernised countries, but also globally.
0: So, with all this knowledge, what does your role at Capita involve?
2: Most importantly, my job is to ensure all of our healthcare businesses are safe and efficient in what we do. We we employ about 4,000 people in health, and if you put together all of uh, the healthcare environments that we work in, we support the care of around 320 million million people around the world every day. And our healthcare uh, businesses range from things which are very kind of structural buildings, uh, supplies to hospitals, through very large uh, IT infrastructure networks to very innovative software products.
0: So what is it then about the way our lives are changing that means learning also has to change?
1: We had education first, then you have a career and then you have retirement. Um, trouble is that model was kind of based on a life expectancy of 70, and if you try and stretch it out to last for say 100 years or even 90 years, you're talking about retiring at 75 or 80, which is a pretty brutal thought. So we have to move away from a three-stage life. You can't have just one career that lasts 60 years, partly because what can you learn at 20 that is still relevant later on, and also because it's just a pretty bad way of structuring your life. You're going to have to ramp up, ramp down, be more flexible. And if you superimpose on this technology, which is clearly going to bring in demand for whole new skills, we need to learn. And we need to learn not just in the first stage, but right the way through life. And I think what's so interesting about the three-stage life, if I said to you, uh, how healthy are you? And you said, well, 30 years ago, I ran a marathon. I'd say, well, that's not answering the question. if I I say, tell me about your education, you say, well, 30 years ago, I went to college. You say, oh, okay, I got an education. But we've got to think of education and health in the sort of same way. It's something you have to constantly work on and, and invest in the next phase, because that then helps the next phase. And that's really, I think, the big shift that's going to come with longevity and technology.
0: And there's no shortage of learning material. As I say, in the newspapers nearly every single yeah. day for one, or on Twitter or wherever yeah. you get your information from.
1: Yeah, you've got your ginger and turmeric shot there, I can see. Yes, so I do. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you say
0: turmeric. Some people say turmeric. Is that right? Oh,
1: yes, I, I like say turmeric.
2: turmeric. Or is it turmeric?
0: Yeah, no, i always I d- said You say tumeric. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah you now there's a the thing. We could go <laughs> so, yeah. on forever uh, <laughs> talking about that.
1: Education in action.
0: Um, okay, that's a good time to have a little pause, I think, and we'll delve further into our discussion in just a moment. Organisations. Welcome back. Uh, so far, we've been talking about longevity, learning, and education, and we've identified, I think, that we're not quite there yet in terms of education. Um, so, Andrew, what do you think we should be focusing on? You've covered some of that already, but.
1: What's interesting with our health system, you know, we all love the NHS, we're all British, you all know it's a great success story, and it has mm-hmm. been. But when it was set up in 1948, I think five out of six people were uh, under 60. And now, of course, that meant there was a bed-based intensive response where people had an infectious disease or accident. But as people get over 50... That's actually not a very good way of looking after the ailments that people have. And preventative medicine has to be the key. And preventative medicine is going to have to be a public awareness campaign, but also a great deal of individual responsibility that perhaps utilizes some of the things that AI and big data and wearables and machines can offer. So that has to be a huge agenda. Um, For me, I think there's sort of uh, three other things that are key. One is that we've got to keep people fit, healthy, and engaged so they can work for longer. Uh, One, because in general, when people work for longer or engage for longer, they're healthier for longer. And of course, it helps them financially. To do that, we've got to help get people educated uh, in their 40s and 50s to get retrained and repurposed. And then, you know, the other thing I think is really, really important is that when we talk about ageing and ageing well, we always focus on the current old. But actually, the earlier you start, the better. And we've got to make people aware at a very young age in their sort of early 20s that they have a very long life ahead of them and they've got to live it differently from those who have gone before. So there would be the four things. Preventative medicine, helping people carry on working after 50, which requires all sorts of social changes and corporate changes, adult education, but also making the young aware that this is their issue even more than mine.
0: And what about outside school and the home, maybe in the workplace, Technology is moving on at a frightening speed. I think I've already been left behind. Uh, How do we prevent ourselves from getting into that situation, getting left behind, Charles?
2: Well, I think it's an attitudinal thing. I think um, it's interesting what you're saying, Andrew, about making the young aware. I think actually think about my children they are really aware uh, and, and maybe it's that middle ground people who are, who are less aware of the challenges uh, and sometimes more resistant to, to technology and innovations and again I suppose that's that's partly a cultural thing it's just it's just being familiar and it's partly an educational thing saying this stuff is really important it can really help you it's really important to maintaining a happy longer life uh, and so so you need to pay attention
0: but what about people who are perhaps middle aged and perhaps they didn't get computer studies in school? I remember I, we did do computer studies, but it just went over everyone's heads. We were taken to visit a computer, which took up a whole room in a massive building <laughs> at the time. Um, that's my. And so, you know, I think people of a certain age haven't actually been taught yeah. so I think properly that's... how to use new technology. So are they getting left behind, do you think?
2: Well, I, th- I think that's to Andrew's point about. About an attitude of continued learning throughout life. There's, there's this idea I think in some uh, people that, that you've been to school or you've been to university and that's it in terms of learning and actually the, the next phase as you said Andrew is, is, is working and doing the job which doesn't involve much learning um, and, th- and that's a big challenge. In, in medicine we have this concept of continuing professional development so all doctors and nurses um, have to learn throughout their career and, the, and the various ways that we're engaged in that and it's quite robustly enforced and measured and monitored as it should be but, but I don't know if that kind of system extends outside professional activities. You know, Maybe that's a concept to, to discuss in the future.
0: What are the key areas? I think we've, we've, we've spoken about a lot of them actually, where change is already happening most rapidly, do you think?
2: We've established now that there are not today enough doctors, nurses, clinical, clinical people to treat all the sick people in the world. So that whole concept of a, of a healthcare system seems flawed to me. Actually, rather than thinking about preventative medicine, I think the healthcare system has to migrate to be uh, a system that provides health and provides information about how not to be sick at all and how to stay healthy throughout a, a long life. Uh, and, then, and then when people do become sick, sure, we need to help them, but actually the focus is not on managing sickness, it's on promoting health.
0: All right. Well, we very much sort of talked about learning and education uh, and we've really touched on health. Um, We're going to stop here for a moment and then we'll be back to talk more about health. Charles, health, very much your area, I would guess. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I understand that that you believe education and health go hand in hand. They're intrinsically linked.
2: Yes, absolutely. I think think to have an efficient health system, education is a key component of that. It allows people to take more responsibility for their own health. It allows them to, to help their families and their friends. So it really is fundamental in ensuring people stay healthy rather than relying on a system that's purely focused at dealing with
1: sickness and illness. But I also think... I think, you know, one of the challenges with the health agenda is how much should be delivered by the health system, because a lot of our health it occurs outside of the health system. It is around whether you have friends, it is around, you know, whether you've got a reliable job. And those things make a huge difference to how you age and your health. And that's not really something the GP is going to sort out. And I think that's the bigger public health challenge we've got, like making people aware that education reduces your chances of dementia, that actually evidence says if you're not doing physical work, the longer you work for, the longer you live. So there's a whole range of public education that I think isn't just to be delivered by the health system.
0: So do you think in the near future virtual doctors are going to be a thing?
2: It's hard to imagine an actual virtual doctor. It's very easy to imagine elements of what I do for example in an emergency department being being automated. Um, Symptom checkers are interesting they're difficult. Research shows that most symptom checkers at the moment, i.e. more than 50% get the the primary diagnosis wrong most of the time so, so they don't work very well. Some sophisticated triage tools in contrast are actually much more accurate, not in in guessing a diagnosis but in suggesting what should happen next when you've got a, a medical problem and that's actually what most people want to know what not necessarily immediately what the the main diagnosis is but what's the next step that they should take is it stay at home for a little while or is it consulting a doctor urgently it's that decision that's hard
0: um andrew in your book uh, you looked at health as well what did you identify what sort of themes did you identify
1: Well, we sort of said, if you're looking to, you know, our starting point was we've designed a three-stage life for 70 years, but how do we create a life that's good for over 100 years? And we sort of said, we've got to focus on four things. And the one thing everyone always goes to when you talk about living longer is their finances. They worry about their pension, which is kind of understandable. But really, you don't want to plan your life around your finances. You want to sort of plan your finances around your life. So as well as your financial assets, we talk about your intangible assets. And we say there's three things you've got to work on. Uh, One is your uh, productive assets, your skills and knowledge, which you've got to keep investing in all all through life. Second is your vitality assets, which consist of two types, your mental and physical health, but also your relationships. And study after study of what makes for a good life tells you the following. Money makes you happier, it doesn't make you happy. And the ultimately makes you happy, in the words of the... Uh, uh, the person who ran the Harvard study, the Grant study, which is a very renowned study, um, that what makes for a good life is creating the space to love and to be loved. And that's a key part of your vitality assets. And then the final one was your transformational assets, which we said is your ability to kind of reinvent yourself and surf change, which society doesn't really give adults much opportunity to. We even have a phrase a midlife crisis, Mm -hmm. which uh, Mark Freeman who runs Encore.org in the States says we should talk about midlife chasm. We haven't got, the social institutions to support people go through a midlife change, which is kind of what we created with teenagers, which was a 20th century invention. And we kind of need to do the same. And I would say those things are sort of really what I would say where health begins. Because of course, if you've got the health and the finances, you can learn. If you've got good relationships, you're likely to have a sense of engagement and a sense of good health, and then be open to change and have the confidence to go through that. But that's a difficult balancing act to pull off but certainly it's not just around your finances and do I do exercise it's got to be around those four
0: different assets. So Charles this podcast is called Tomorrow's Organisations what should business leaders be thinking about do you think? So I think that's a
2: very interesting question. I think businesses in healthcare or, or in wellbeing, t- two potential angles. Um, firstly, I think people need to start looking outside of just governments providing healthcare. Actually, businesses providing healthcare and businesses identifying healthcare as a really important marketplace is clearly a trend that's happening now. And I think I think that will that will continue. And it, and it's fundamentally important to offset some of the demand that are placed on governments. Um, the other aspect, I think, is businesses looking after their own staff and their own team Really carefully, and thinking much more about the, the well being of the people that work for the business as a way of increasing the health of populations and also spreading knowledge and information about healthcare.
0: Really fascinating stuff. Um, And as you'll appreciate, we've only been able to scratch the surface of this huge subject. And also a reminder, very important reminder, that Andrew's book is called The 100 Year Life. And obviously, if you've heard what he's been talking about, it's well worth getting your nose into uh, if you'd like to learn more about what he's been talking about
1: and the new book out next may called a new long life which looks at the interactions with technology as well so two great books
0: oh very interesting i could do with the technology bit (laughs) (laughs) i don't interact very well (laughs) with it at all actually okay gentlemen thank you very much indeed and that's it for this edition of tomorrow's organizations but do join us again very soon for our next episode until then from me fion phillips and from charles young and andrew scott it's goodbye If you'd like to find out more, go to capita.com slash future of work and learning.